Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Well, have you ever wondered if you're on the right path? We're going to share an awesome story today about someone who wondered if they were on the right path. Then I'm going to share a little trick I learned from an unlikely source. And of course, joining me once again for all that is Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How was your week? It's been a good week so far. Yeah. You know, the after being not having the responsibility of coaching at the college. Oh, yeah. You're, I, a, you're a week or two removed from that now. Yes, and I feel like I have time to do stuff. It's yeah. crazy. Of course, I'm sure you'll find a way to fill that slot up. Well, I will. Like and we one, always do. One of the things that's been nice is that I've been able to go to my, my granddaughter's ball games and yeah. grandson's ball, ball games. And so we have three that are playing sports right now. And so I've been able to get to those. And it's uh, that's a lot of fun to watch them. Yeah, we had a conversation last night uh, with our two boys. They were talking. We were talking about the idea of retirement. I don't know how we got on that issue, but they were talking about how they just don't understand how people look forward to. And I've always said I'll never retire. You know, I may do something different. You know, I've always said I would love to work at Home Depot. Yeah, I would love to mow yards. You know, I, I'll do something in my retirement years to keep me busy. But they don't understand the concept of looking forward to that stage in life. And I said, well, I said, you know, I didn't think that way when I was your age either. But they, you know, how teenagers are—they're like yeah. argue and say, "Well, I'll never think that way." I was like, "Yeah, yes, you will." Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you'll look forward to going to grandkids' ball games, which you can't even understand that right now. Right. So uh, yeah, it was interesting to hear that kind of that dynamic of because I remember thinking like that. Oh, yeah. I'll, I never want to retire. I just want to do whatever forever. And you know, getting older, I'm I'm thinking about grandkids now. You yeah. know, I, I hope that's in my ten year future. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to to hear from young people about things they're thinking that you once thought. You know, we can say, "Oh, I never thought that way," but we did. Yes, we yeah, did. For yes, sure. we did. I remember thinking that way, and and now it's yeah. I, the thing, the people I don't understand though are the people who want to who want to say, "Well, I just want to I just want to go lay around at the beach." Yeah, you know. Now that I don't understand. No, no. I want to. I want to be busy. But one but. thing Lane did say, he said he, he was saying older people, and he was pointing at me and Holly, like, yeah. you know, what are you trying to say? But anyway, he said uh, older people just want to be younger. They want to go back twenty years. And I said, no, no, no. I, I said I completely disagree with yeah. that. I said I have no desire to go back twenty years. I feel I feel like I'm wiser now. You know, I understand things a bit better. But I have. And he kind of looked at me like I had three heads, like, oh, you don't? I'm like, no, I don't. I, I like being where I'm at right now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Anyway. Good perspective. Yeah. Good perspective. Hey, before we get started, let's talk about this week's sponsor, uh, some of our friends over at Hank's Carpet. Uh, Hank's Carpet and Flooring is your one-stop shop for all your flooring needs. Hank stocks a huge selection of name brand flooring, carpet, luxury vinyl plank, waterproof flooring, and the exclusive Lola Pate Area Rug Collection. Voted North Georgia's Best of Best 
eight straight years and People's Choice winner for the past two. Great flooring, great prices. Why shop anywhere else? Visit Hank's Carpet and Flooring and their giant showroom at hankscarpet.com. Um, again, thanks to all of our sponsors out there. We simply can't do what we do without them. And um, Hanks is just another example of those. Yep, yep. How about a Facebook post last week? This comes from Eric Deering. He's new to Run Club. And I like that. i got several things I want to talk about on this one. He says, newbie statement and question. Look what came in the mail. I know some believe we should be proud of finishing, but I'm a math guy, and that believes, and I believe in that which is measured is managed. So, after week one of the Run for God Couch to Marathon training, my 30-minute pace is an amazing 13.55 per mile. <laughs> LOL. For my 2024 full marathon, I'm training, praying, hoping that I can turn back the clock and match my 2010 half marathon pace of nine minutes per mile. Stretch goal, I'd love to get that pace down to 7.45 per mile and maybe stand on my 55 to 59 age group podium, proudly displaying my Run for God gear. In all seriousness, besides doing the self-paced challenge and utilizing the Run for God products, the student manuals, the 54-week plan, the podcast, and the Thursday Night Lives, is anyone aware of any resources, human uh, motivators or coaches, and or written materials besides the Bible that I could plug into to assist me with that stretch goal? You know, I like to see people with big goals like this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a big, huge goal from Eric. I actually got an email from him, and we're going to probably talk. And then by the t- by the time this comes out, we will have already talked, I'm sure. Um, but um, it, it's it's good to see people that want to stretch out there and mm-hmm. do a little bit more. And there's there's all sorts of people. There are the people who just I just want to cross finish lines. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. There's not. also nothing wrong with people who want to be competitive and be as fast as they can be, too. And I would say, you know, on the Run for God front, we're probably a, somewhere close to a 50-50 breakdown when it comes yeah. to that, I would think. Wouldn't you say? Probably. Or maybe we may be weighted more toward the finishing side. Yeah. Yeah, we might be. Uh, but we've been we've been successful with both. You know, at the Big Beach Marathon recently at our graduation sure. race, we had two-thirds of the podium. Yeah. And we had a bunch of people. We had actually had the last place finisher as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so we had second place and last place. That's right. Yeah. So I, didn't, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. yeah. We covered the we covered the game. Covered the game, but yeah. Yeah. And that's good. But I wanted, one of the things that I wanted to address actually was in the comments to this post because somebody had commented that they had reached out to a coach and that they had a coach that was helping them reach their goals. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk about that because having a coach is great. There's nothing don't please don't hear me say don't hire a coach. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you need to understand what comes with hiring a coach. A coach will not make you faster. I was going to say, you got to ask the question first, why are you hiring a coach? Mm-hmm. Yes. The answer to that question is going to tell you whether you should or you shouldn't. That's right. And then you have to realize that in the end, once you hire that coach, you have to do all the work. The right. co- you're, you're not, it's not like when you buy a car. You know, you buy a car and then you take the car home and you have something in your hands. Sure. When you buy a coach, you're just buying some knowledge. 
Right. All of the work to get that car in the driveway is in your legs and your ability to get out there and do all the work. And so what's going to happen when it comes time for, okay, it's I'm going on vacation and I've got a really key long run I've got to get in on vacation. Are you going to do that or are you just going to put that whole week aside and not do anything? Uh, because if your answer is you're not going to do anything, I would submit you don't need a coach because you're not serious enough about it right. to get it done. And so I just want people to understand that you have to do the work when you hire a coach, that a coach can't do anything but give you suggestions on how to get faster. Yeah, and, and another thing, and, and we've talked about this a lot before, you gotta you got to be careful, and, and I get it. I mean, I have, I have been kind of in Eric's shoes before where I had some big goals. The thing you've got to be careful of is you got to limit your inputs. Because um, I have coached people personally in the past, and they they were listening to me, but they were also listening to other sources. Yeah, you know the big one being Google. Yep, <laughs> all these other inputs from across the internet. All of those are I shouldn't say all. Mo a lot of the inputs that you find on the in- internet are in and of themselves not bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are actually very good, mm-hmm. but. We always say there's if you want to run a, a say a sub twenty minute five k, which is a big stretch goal for a lot of people. There's there's hundreds of ways to train to do that, right? But you got to pick one. That's right. You can't pick a little bit from this one and a little bit from this one and a little bit from this one. You get too many inputs and it's just overwhelming and you complicate it. And when you complicate things, comes frustration, misunderstanding. And you don't reach your goal. I would argue that I'm going to say from the when you count the more advanced training plans that we have, we could train people from obviously walking and finishing a race to well below three hours mm-hmm. for a marathon. Sure, those, those capabilities are right here at your fingertips. Yep. The key is you got to engage. And you got to take advantage of all those tools. That's right. And all of our tools focus in one direction. We have one training methodology. We have one set of plans. And then we can cater those to certain people. You know, if that's what you want to do, you can reach out to Dean. But I would, I would, my biggest word of caution is you've got to keep it simple Mm -hmm. because the number one thing above everything, and it's not even, there's not even a close second. Is consistency. That's right. We've talked about this hundreds mm-hmm. of times. Consistency is the number one thing to make you faster. Yep. It's not a coach. It's not a training plan. It's not. It's it's you. It's mm-hmm. are you getting out the door when you're supposed to be getting out the door, and doing your training. That one thing will go help you go further than anything else to reaching your goals. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. So, if you're out there and you're thinking about, again, we didn't say don't hire a coach. Just find find your way and go that way. And if you hire a coach, that means you're choosing his way, her right. way. That's, that's yeah, don't don't hire a coach and then say, well, run for God said to do this. That's right. That's not going to go well. That is it right. It doesn't it, – and we're not saying ours is the best. Right. We're not it, saying theirs is the best. They're just 
different. Right. And if you want to, if you want to hire a coach and what a lot of folks do, they hire a coach and then they use the run for God stuff. They mm-hmm. use the podcast. They use the informational videos to stay and motivated. Stuff, just to stay motivated. Sure. That's fantastic. That's a yeah. great, great way to do it. But, yeah. but decide and go with one plan. Right. For sure. All right, trivia question from last week was, there is a race with over 50,000 participants and even more spectators where costumes are worn and there is a centipede division. What is the name of the race? Did you know, have you ever heard of Beta Breakers? I've never heard of this. Really? No. Wow. Beta Breakers has been around since 1912. It is run in San Francisco. The reason it is called Beta Breakers is because it starts... On the bay at what is known as the Embarcadero, if you've ever been to um, to San Francisco. Never been there. Runs across the, the peninsula to where the breakers are, where the beach is. So yeah. it runs, and it runs through Golden Gate Park along the way. If you've ever been to San Francisco, Golden Gate Park is one of the nicest parks in the country. It's, mm. it's really nice. And I ran a cross-country race there, and it was uh, actually a couple of times, and it's really, really nice. But you... You run basically through a bunch of the different neighborhoods, and um, it's pretty cool uh, to do it. But it's a little weird. So the costumes <laughs> are are different. They're definitely some of them are very strange. Yeah. They had to change um, their process back. Probably it's probably been over twenty years now. But um, at one point in time, they had to declare that there could be no nudity in the uh, in the race because apparently people were. Being extra, extra crazy. But today it's a lot calmer than yeah. that. And um, so it set the Guinness Book of World's Records for the uh, largest race back in 1986 because it had 110,000 people in it in 1986. Now, there's been one race that surpassed that since then, but not by a lot. Um, and But but this race is, is always huge. Um, it's and run, what distance is this race? It's a 12K a hundred and ten thousand people. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a nightmare to me. Well, listen to this though. <laughs> of those hundred and ten thousand people, I don't know how many of them were registered because probably half of them were not registered. So they have all these people who run it, 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 it at one time. They, I think today they've rectified that. You have to be registered to run the race, but at one time they allowed anybody to run it that wanted to run it. So half the people were registered, half the people not registered, and um, that's different. Because most races won't let you run if right. you're not registered. Um, so that was something. E- even back in that day, it wasn't okay to bandit a race. Um, and to, certainly today it's not. Um, and this, this, is what, uh, this is what Wikipedia says. It started as a way to lift the city's spirits after the disastrous 1906 San Francisco earthquake. But then it says this. It has been run for more consecutive years over a given course in length than has any other foot race in the world, which is not true. Um, when you go to Wikipedia, just you mean a, Wikipedia? Everything's known and it's not true. Yes, please understand that. If you don't understand that at this point, here is a, a good example because that is absolutely. They have changed that course twice in the last thirty years. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> although other foot races are older and have been run for more consecutive years, their courses and lengths have changed over time. During World War II, participation sometimes slipped below fifty registrants, but the tradition carried on. And again, um, it it talks about how half the people aren't registered. And it has this. 
Centipedes. Beta Breakers features a special team division called Centipedes. A team of 13 or more runners will travel the full 12K course together linked by a bungee cord or any other safe mechanism. An additional runner or floater, usually the team captain, is allowed to run along um, untethered to pace the team or substitute for a dropout runner. Despite the novelty, the centipede race is very competitive. Beta Breakers is the official site of the World Centipede Running Championships. And listen to this. So are there other centipede races around the world, I guess? I guess. But the of course, record, it's a neat concept. It is a cool concept, and, and it's really cool to, to, to see. The record is 36.44. This is a 12K. Yeah. So this is seven and a half miles. Thirty. The, the, the winning pace is under five minutes a mile. You know, this this national cross-country championships that you go to, Yeah, it's always teams there, isn't it? They ought to have a centipede division on the last day. <laughs> All the fun. teams bungee together. That would be pretty that cool. That would be fun. Yeah. So do you have to run in a line, or can you run side by side? You can run side by side. Okay. You just have to be linked together in some way. So to pass somebody... <laughs> Yeah. That's an undertaker just to get around somebody. <laughs> you know it. If you're 13 wide and they're 13 wide, you're, you're 40, 50 feet wide. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's a very interesting thing. Um, it's a real big novelty, of course, in San Francisco. Um, if you're ever there in the third weekend in May, um, perhaps you could run the Bay to Breakers So that's this race. coming weekend. Yep. Yep. Out there. Hmm. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, and there's one thing on the website that it says pro tip: watch out for bison. I don't know what that means, but there's there's something there. This is a quote from the website: it says this race is more about the journey than the finish line. It's people watching, crazy costumes, and pure joy of a 12k long party. Highly recommended for the experience and memories. <laughs> of course, you kind of expect crazy stuff in San Francisco, I guess. So. Beta Breakers make sense to be in San Francisco, for of sure. all places. <laughs> all right. Well, we're getting we're getting close to July Fourth. Are we going to have July Fourth shirts? We are. All right. Yeah, all they'll right. be out in June. So something to be looking forward sure. to very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the order in your. I wore mine last night. As yeah. a matter of fact, yeah. All right. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got one in each color. Yes, yeah, so be uh, be on the lookout for them. Uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out, they may already be out. So, all right. Yeah, they'll be out in June. That's be, right. Be on the lookout for them. Yep. All of our Run for God folks, show your 4th of July spirit. We can all point to someone who helped in our life journey, can't we? Those people are important in our lives, and the chances are that you have been that person for someone else. One of the best ways you can become that person who God uses to impact others is by leading one of our challenge classes. We have the 5K Challenge for Beginners, the 10K Challenge, and even Half Marathon and Marathon Challenges. You can help someone with one of their bucket list items. And the best part is that they can become closer to Christ while checking it off. Go to runforgod.com and learn more about how you can lead a challenge class today. We've made it easy for you. Check it out today. You won't regret it. All right, we're back. And if you haven't been joining us on Thursday nights... 
and you're part of Run Club, you need to join us on Thursday nights. If you're not part of Run Club, then you should probably um, join Run Club and check out Thursday nights because we have a lot of fun on Thursday nights, and um, it, it's it's good stuff. Sometimes it's very informational. Um, sometimes it, it's one of those things we were just talking about having a coach. A coach is great, um, but sometimes there's some peripheral information that can help you. Thursday night is a good time to pick up mm-hmm. some information for some of that stuff. Sometimes Thursday night's just kind of a Bible study kind of thing, yeah. and uh, that's interesting as well if you would like to join. And here is the other thing. We, we, ha- we need stories. The story that we're going to share today is actually an old story that we've never used before mm-hmm. um, because we don't have any new Run Club member stories. And so we, mm. Run Club folks, we got to get we got to get with it. You guys got to be sharing your stories. Uh, so let's just light Run Club up right now because yeah. they have stories. Yes. Everybody within earshot of my voice right now, you have a story that somebody needs to hear. So let's. I'm going to throw out a challenge. By the time we come... Back on the air next week, we need to have 10 stories. I like that. 10 yep. stories. I mean, we got, there's thousands of people in Run Club now. Yep. 10 people need to share their story. And if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if anybody would like to hear my story, then you're the story that needs to be shared. Yep. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody has a story, number one, and somebody needs to hear your story, number two. That is proven. We've we've shown that time and time again over this 166 episodes. Yep. The people that submitted their story and thought it's just your average vanilla story, it touched somebody. So go to runforgod.com. Go down to the Submit Your Story tab. It's easy. We walk you through the process. And get that story in this week. Let's have 10 by the time we come back on next week. Amen. Sounds good. Well, do you think running with a dog can help you or hurt you? you think it makes you faster or slower? I think um, I read this question. I think if it's the dogs I had in the past, they yeah. make you slower. Yeah. Because I've had some pretty dumb dogs that just <laughs> were not fun to run with. <laughs> but if it's the right dog, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the question is, do I think it's a um, competitive advantage? In a race, yeah, I think the answer is probably yes. Yeah, um, you know, we had a lady. Yeah, were you with us when yes. the lady won the half marathon? Yep, we put on with a half marathon here in Dalton. She, a lady, won the half marathon and she was running with a dog. Um, you know, I'm not saying anything about her because we allowed it, so yeah, that, that's fine. But I do think the right dog is a competitive advantage because. If you're in tune with that dog, if you're if you run together a lot, dogs will pull you along. Yeah, they can. You know, when you're wanting to slow down, it's kind of like having a pacer, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good and point. that that is a competitive advantage. We know that. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think for sure they could help you, but it's got to be the right dog. It can't be. I mean, labs yeah, a lot of times dog. are no, and labs, you know, they're just kind of spastic. But some of these like. Uh, what is it you see a lot like a German short hair? I think you see yeah. a lot of people running a yeah. lot with those dogs. Um, I think the right dog, yeah, can yeah. can be an advantage. Yeah. I guess if maybe if you hook the um you'd have to hook the, the leash on around your waist or something. Because if you're if you got them in if if the leash is in your arm, you can't run with your arm stretched out. And that's the only way you're gonna f- feel a pull from a dog is if you Well, arm is I don't think out. it's necessarily the pull. I think it's, I think it's the, 
It's like having a pacer. Yeah. I, I've seen people running pretty fast with dogs before, and it's, yeah. I mean, they're in step with them. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, the lady that won that race, it, the dog had a harness, but she was holding the leash. Yeah. See, I just can't see how that can help you. Yeah. It would not help me. I'm 100% certain there's no way it'll make me faster. Because I'm going to worry too much about the dog and... Well, that's the, what just, I'm saying. Just it's the, the dog, right dog. Yeah, well, but just because the dog is, because the dog's going to want to go faster than I can go. So I'm not. Uh, yeah, that, I, I that, guess that's my point. That might make me go too fast early, too. Maybe, right. but it might also pull you five seconds a mile faster than you would have had you not had the dog. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thought, and I, I never thought about it until I saw where somebody was complaining that some. Some lady pushed her his wife off the podium because they ran with a dog, and he was convinced that the dog helped her run faster. And whether that happened, or, whether that was true or not, I don't know. But uh, I just thought it was an interesting question. Yeah. So one to bat around. Well, have you ever wondered if you're on the right path? Well, Linda Holloway's story from Jamestown, Ohio, is a man. It's a fan. Fantastic story. Yeah, I don't know how this one hasn't been in the lineup. Yeah, this is a great, great story. This one is called The Path. I started running at age 40 out of desperation. I never thought running was something I could do that I would enjoy or depend upon so much. I certainly never thought it was something that would connect me to God. In my late 20s, I went through a divorce. One of the ways I coped with the separation was hiking and walking out my emotional distress. One sad day, I was plodding along, lost in thought, and came to the top of a hill and was stopped for a rest. When I turned around and looked behind me, I was overcome with a very real, very intense feeling. My senses were heightened, but there was no agitation, only peace. Despite the overcast day, the trail was completely illuminated by sunlight. A thought came to me with perfect clarity as if spoken aloud. Stay on the path and you'll be all right. I was an agnostic at the time and I looked at this experience to mean or took this experience to mean that I had been given some kind of guidance and reassurance by some unknown force. Oddly, I felt no need to define it, define it or investigate further, but I took comfort in the message I'd been given. Unfortunately, I failed to abide by its simple direction. I spent the next decade convincing myself that I was on the path while knowing on some level that I was not. I told myself I was doing great when in reality I was fighting my way through the muck and, uh, and the thorns of life. I led a willful, selfish existence. I was the center of a universe and everything and everyone was to revolve around me. I had to be in control. And then life happened, and I wasn't able to control it. My ex-husband sued me for custody of our son while I was pregnant with my youngest child at the time. I had to go to trial 10 days before my due date. 16 days after my daughter was born, my ex-husband died in a tragic, horrible death. I had, severely, I had a severely traumatized 16-year-old and a 2-year-old and a newborn. I began to lean on the bottle to help me cope and escape, and my alcohol consumption took a scary turn. The only way I can describe it is that as soon as I turned to it, it sunk its claws into me and took over. It wasn't long before I had no control and no choice. 
I was so far off the path, I didn't know if I could ever get back. As I looked at what was ahead of me, I knew there was nothing good. Unless something changed, only bad things were going to happen. Even in the face of that knowledge, I was unable to stop. I was moments, inches away from some catastrophic consequence, and I couldn't stop drinking. One morning, after a night of particularly bad behavior, I woke up in the absolute certainty that I was an alcoholic. A tremendous wave of relief washed over me. The horrible internal conflict I had been in the grips of was resolved. I hit my knees and asked a God that I wasn't sure about and didn't entirely believe in to help me. And he did. That terrible compulsion to drink was lifted and is yet to return. Early on in those first days without the bottle, I remember wondering, shaky, uncertain, terrified, what now? Somehow, some way, my feet found their way to the pavement, and it was good. It was right. I started running because I had to do something to outrun the craziness thrashing around in my head. Running calmed and quieted the storm inside me. From the start, it was a form of communication. My first attempts were frenzied, clumsy, somewhat incoherent, probably very profane conversations with myself. The question of what now came up a lot. I knew very little for certain. I knew there was a God, and I knew it wasn't me. I knew I had to be done playing God. I wasn't good at it. I embraced recovery, and through it, found a true connection with God and a real relationship with Him. Prayer and meditation are part of my daily discipline, and the truth is, I find it easiest to do this while running. My mind is clear and open. The repetition of foot hitting pavement, breath, breathe in, breathe out, repeat, 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 lulls and quiets my mind. Running remains communication for me, but now it is communication with God. Each step is prayer. I ask Him to move into my heart and make Himself real inside me. I ask Him to direct my thinking and run my life. I ask Him to mold me and shape me into the person He would have me to be. I ask Him to walk with me throughout my day and to help me do whatever work He would have me do. I ask Him to make me strong enough to do it. These are the thoughts that circle through my mind when I run. I am calmed and quieted. I am at peace because I have faith that He will do these things. I am comforted because I understand I no longer have to carry the burden. As my body has become stronger, my will has bent to Him. Each step has deepened my surrender. I am able to run because He allows it. I am able to feel the glorious freedom of flying through the miles because it is His will for me. I only have my life because He has given it to me. I ask Him daily to show me what He would have my life look like and to help me achieve it. I know that such a life will be far greater than any I can orchestrate for myself. God returned me to the path. He met me right where I was at the very moment that I turned to Him. He took my hand in His. He has always been there, waiting. For years, He lovingly nudged me this way or that while I learned my lessons, sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently, until I slowly, finally got the message. When the day comes that I'm no longer able to run, it will be a sad day indeed. But God will be there, and He will help me find other ways to connect to Him. For I am His now, 
and there is nothing better to be. That's an incredible story. Man, um, so well written, too. Yeah, you know what really just stuck out to me about what Linda said was when she said, I admitted, she said out loud, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. And a flood of relief came over her. Yeah. And I think that's just a powerful statement that that was her coming to the end of her mm-hmm. and admitting she needed God. Yep. And man, that is just a powerful place to be. And it, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird to hear somebody say that. That once I admitted, it's like you you've hit the bottom. Yeah. And the only way to look from then is up. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. That was just a powerful statement that she made in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then people think there's no such thing as miracles. My goodness, this yeah. is like I mean, this is amazing. You know, you got we, we all the time we talk about people who are you know believers and the amazing things that happen when we pray. And this is somebody who was at the time not not a believer, mm-hmm. and basically is reaching out to God and God going, "I love you just as much as I love all the believers." Yeah, it's kind of like the Lou Zamperini story when he's floating on a raft yeah. in the middle of the ocean, thinking he's going to die, and he you know he's crying out to God that. He don't know. Yeah. And he said, God, if you'll get me out of here, I'll I'll serve you for the rest of my life. That's right. Uh, yeah, powerful, powerful statements. And the interesting thing here, and something that people need to understand, and if, if somebody is out there listening to this and you're not under God's – if you don't believe, if you're not a believer, you don't have that relationship, understand the, the way that it works is a lot of people think they have to please God. And then become saved. Right. It's the very opposite. Right. It's the very opposite. And um, get saved, and then you'll ple- you'll want to. Pl- it's that's what she describes here. It's such a great picture of that, where she talks about how the more she submitted to God, the more real he became, and it's that's the way that it works. Well, I mean, our relationship with God is all about faith, yeah. and faith. I mean, hers is an extreme example, but faith by the very its very definition is is coming to the end of ourself yeah. and having faith in something other than us. Before then, it's all about us. Like yeah. she said, yeah. she was her own God. Everything revolved around her. And faith is taking that mirror that you're always looking at of yourself and, and turning it toward God yeah. and looking to God and having faith that this is the better way. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, just a great picture of it. Well, Scripture, she has a couple of psalms here, a few psalms here. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I want to ask you a question. Last, last night, we, we, were, we were all over the board last night in our, in our conversations as a family. And Lane made a statement that goes right along with, with the 23rd Psalms here. And, and I kind of tilted my head and I looked at him funny like, you're crazy when he said this. But then I got to thinking about it overnight and this morning after reading this verse. We were talking about trials and the, the things that God allows us 
to go through sometimes. And Lane made this statement. He said, you know, sometimes trials can be fun. And I looked at him and I thought, I've never known of a trial as being fun. Yeah. But then I really got to thinking about it. And it kind of goes back to something that we've all, we've, we've talked about a lot on here. And it's, and I think this may show some Elaine's maturity in this aspect, but maybe we should look at them. And this is going to sound weird saying it. Maybe we should look at it the way he's talking because what have we always talked about? It's all about our perspective. Mm-hmm. And we say all the time, in sport, we get it. Right. We we put ourselves through trials as in workouts. Yeah. But the best athletes, do you look at those workouts as drudgery or do you try to look at them as fun? And and fun because you know it's going to hurt, but you're going to be better for it. Yeah. And so I really got to thinking this morning, maybe there is something to what he said. Maybe and, and because it's talking about perspective. It's not saying, you know, you're you're cheering, oh God's got me here and but if you can get the perspective that, yes, this hurts, but I have a, I'm, I'm saying fun as in a positive outlook on it. Yeah, you know, it's it's, you know that this is a season. You trust that God knows what He's doing. He is who He says He is. If all those things are in place, then there can be. I, I hate to use the word fun, but there should be. Hopeful anticipation that what you're going through now is going to make you better on the other side. Yeah, you know, I, I think about it from the context of a race. When you're in the middle of a race and there's a time when you got to push harder and make it hurt more and you enjoy. And what do we tell people to do when that? they do that? Smile. Smile. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And that's. Yeah, there's there's a lot to that. It's very interesting. It's so hard to do, though, right? It's so hard to be in the middle yeah. of a trial. It's not hard to do in a race because you know what your goal is, I guess. But really, in life, it should be the same way. You know, if our goal is to please God and do His will, then we should understand and we understand and we believe that we, He has us in whatever this trial is for a reason, then we should look at it the same way we do when we're in that. You know, we're at the fourth mile in a 10k and it's really starting to hurt and we really have to press because we we've got a goal and we know we're going to be close and that really pushing hard and hurting more feels good in that moment and so yeah that's that's really interesting i like that i like the thought good good job lane uh you know one of the things about this particular Psalm, of course, is that it talks. This this is a kind of a picture of contentment, right? Mm-hmm. What contentment looks like, and I'm struck by how our society looks at contentment. You know, every ad on TV is about being more content. When you see everything you see on social media is about people being more content. Politics is about trying to figure out how do we become well. People do it in funny ways. But it's about be, becoming more content. This is the real picture. 
This is what real contentment looks like. You never see a, you'll never see a commercial that recites the 23rd Psalm. Sure. <laughs> but this is what real contentment is. All of those things that all these ads and all of these posts and all of these things tell you you should be striving for, this is that picture of what we should be striving for. Right. Psalm 30, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my... F- and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. You, I cried out to you, O Lord, and, the Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Is that psalm not her life? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, so descriptive of her life. It's just incredible how much her life parallels this Psalm of David. Um, it's really crazy, uh, but it's really interesting. I can't imagine having my life be so like a, a one particular passage in the Bible, but then, man, this, this, that was, is it. Yeah, and, and I love, this is what I love about Psalms. I mean, sometimes they're hard to read, but when you really start to sit down and break them down, I mean, going back to the 23rd Psalm, you know, it says, um, you prepare a table before me. Now, that part sounds good. Yeah. But it goes on to say, in the presence of my enemies. And then you come back down into the in the Psalms thirty, and it it's talking about we're constantly going to face our enemies. We're constantly God is always going to have us out in front of our enemies, mm-hmm. and weeping endures for night, but joy comes in the morning. That's one of my favorite passages because it's so true. I mean, how many times do we go to bed at night burdened? Yeah. And even get up during the middle of the night sometimes. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been in here at 1, 2, 3 in the morning, you know, because God's got something on my heart. But it seems like something happens when the sun pops up. Yeah. When it turns daylight the next morning, something. That verse is just very descriptive. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, you're up at night and you're just, you're struggling with something. Yeah. But if if you're taking it to God through the night, joy comes in the morning. Yeah, and sometimes it's all the way until that sun pops up. Yeah, but it's I don't know. That's um, I can just so relate to that passage right there. Well, and I looked at that passage from the running standpoint. 
that when we're running, you know, I was just having a conversation with a, a, an athlete recently, and he was talking about how when he's in the middle of a race and things are going south and things aren't going well and he's really hurting, he's convinced he's doing all he can do. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I want you to think, who's convincing you that you're doing all you can do? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I guess my, my brain is. I said, yeah, the, the same brain. <laughs> You know, that's trying to convince you that you're you're killing yourself when you're not, right. and you know that, right? But you, but in that moment when you're weak because it hurts so bad, you're letting your brain convince you of something that's not true. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I can't help but think that same brain that does that to us, our brain, our brain, the reason our brain does that is because it doesn't recognize the temporary nature of what we're going through. Sure. If our brain really understands that well, this pain is going to be over with in 10 more minutes at the end of this race, then our brain probably wouldn't signal as loudly that you're going to kill yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't recognize the temporary nature of it. Well, your brain doesn't recognize the temporary nature of anything. Um, you have to purposefully override the in the 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 automatic feelings in your brain those mm-hmm. those feelings that automatically come up you have to override those because our our sin nature has us pointed in a direction that it is not the most positive and so we have to be purposeful about looking at things differently does that make sense yeah yeah it's funny i was just listening to a podcast here a while back and it was talking about kids and it was kind of giving the same example is you know and it was saying that you know society kind of says that you know kids are inherently good now but that's not the case kids are inherently bad and you have to train them to be good train a child up in the way they should go and when they were old Mm -hmm. they'll never depart our our human nature is for the easy route, the mm-hmm. sinful route, the easy way out. We have to train ourselves to not get up from that table when God prepares a table in the midst of our enemies. Yeah. We have to train ourselves to do that. And yeah. it's it's why this ministry works. Yeah. It's because everything we learn in running just parallels right over to our walk with Christ. For sure. Another Psalm, 4610, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I so needed this verse this morning. Yeah. You know, I'm, we're, we're, we're going through some stuff here at Run for God, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's exciting things happening, and I'm just a doer, doer, doer. And sometimes, you know, you, God just brings this like he did this morning, brought this verse in front of me, and it's basically God just tapping me on the forehead saying, just be still. Yeah. And that is so hard for my personality, yeah. your personality too. Yeah. We want to do, do, do. We want to help God out. We want to, and that's always a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes you just need to stop and listen. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I love the way that, because this psalm goes on. It, not mm-hmm. only do we need to stop and listen, but we need to understand what the final results are. Right. In in who God is and what He's going to do, because and it's it's actually it's a lot like the twenty third Psalm where you talk about preparing a table right there in in the midst of your enemies. It's it's this idea that no matter what's going on around you, there should be calm, there should be thoughtfulness, and there should be praising God, no matter what, mm-hmm. because in the end, we know how the story 
ends. Sure. And it's so important for us to remember that. And, you know, in this day and time, I feel like in the world, I feel like as Christians, I feel like we're becoming more and more persecuted. I, I, we're still not persecuted to the point that they are in a lot of, a lot of countries. But it's becoming a little bit tougher, mm-hmm. um, I feel like, to, to be a Christian. And, and as that happens, um, we need to understand and keep an eye on what the final tally is going to be in the end, right? Yeah, we should we should welcome it. Yeah, yeah. That's a, right back to Lane's comment. Right. I mean, not that it's, we're going to say rah, 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 but yeah, I mean, it's... But it's a privilege to be persecuted. God is allowing that. That's, that's the thing we have to understand is nothing comes into our life that doesn't come through the door of God first. God allows things into our life, and if He's allowing it into our life, it's for good reason. Yeah, All things work to the good for those who believe in God. Sometimes that doesn't feel good, Mm -hmm. but it works for good. And we can see it on the back end. Yeah. A question, how do we talk with someone who is not a believer? I think we're often reluctant to speak up. We're afraid of rejection. Um, but you know, you don't have to be in somebody's face about it. I, you, you know, we've talked before on here about that Penn Jillette video where he talks about how this man came up and gave him a Bible. Mm-hmm. And he was really, he was, you could tell, he was humbled by what he had seen. And then he, he posed this question, which is extremely powerful. He said, if you believe this, how much do you have to hate me to not come and sure. want to tell me about this. If you believe you have the answer, and that's true. We do have the answer, and that's why it shouldn't be hard for us to share with people. Now, how we do that is different for different people. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for a lot of folks, you know, I, a lot of people know me as a runner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my, my response to people is always, well, God made me a runner. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he did. And I don't know why, you know, and I, I joke and tell people uh, he gave other people more useful things to be good at. But but that's what God gave me. Mm-hmm. And just saying that opens up a door a lot of times for people to go, you you know. What do you mean by that? Yes. Yeah. And it can be very simple things where you all you do is you bring God into the conversation. And, and very often you'll find that those conversations lead in a direction where they really need to lead for that person. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really simple sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times, but there's not a time to go to somebody. Well, I say there's not. There is. But we're not saying go to somebody and go, you should believe in God or you're going to go to hell. <laughs> you know, if, if you're... There are those times. There are those times, but they're very few and far between. Sure. And, um, but most of the time, it's those other things where you bring God into a conversation sure. that lead to that conversation but by that point that person is listening to what you're having to say right. if you just shout in somebody's face well they're probably not going to listen to you yeah so um, anyway I just thought that was an interesting way to look at it another question why would God want to grant a request from someone who doesn't believe in him I think he does he's done it for every believer out there oh yeah I mean it yeah, I mean that that is salvation. That is uh repentance. Yeah. Is God forgive me. 
you know, I want to trust and follow you. I want to put my faith and life in you. Um, at that moment, we're, we're not a child of God. Yeah. But it's that conversion. The, the conversion is that request granted. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine how strong Linda's belief has to be after mm-hmm. going through what she went through. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just I can imagine that God God has this and orchestrates these kinds of things because man, what a strong belief you would have in a God who would answer you when you're when you don't even believe in Him. You know, and I I think it creates stronger believers when when God does that. So, you know, it's great when God answers our prayers as believers, but to me, there's an even more powerful thought of God answering a prayer from somebody who's not a believer. Sure. You know? Last question. Has God ever changed your life overnight through an answered prayer? Of course, we've seen this over and over again in the the, the five k challenge participants and people who some of these people who went have gone through the couch to marathon program. We've seen we've seen lives really change. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, we've seen lives change in a big way on week eight. Yeah, in the five k challenge, mm-hmm. when they're like, "There's no way I can do this," and mm-hmm. then they do this, and it, it you know that's um, so we, we've we've seen a good bit of that. Yeah, um, I remember. One one very powerful incident that happened to me one time at a, a former employer. And I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I remember it very distinctly, and it, it follows me to this day that I was getting myself so tied up in knots over an issue, and it was it really bothered me, and I didn't understand why other people didn't see the issue the way I saw it, and and it was just it was consuming me. Mm-hmm. Right? It was every day this thing was just it felt like a burden and all of a sudden god just put this thing in my head and what he did was he just basically reframed it and Mm -hmm. said let's look at this from a different angle and as soon as he did that it just went went away it just kind of just subsided just i mean in, in a moment i've talked too about the time you know that um you know, being unemployed and and reaching rock bottom, and uh, we've we've all been there, mm-hmm. and we've all hit that 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 bottom that point where our life just changed overnight because God just revealed some powerful thing to us. Yeah, I think and that that often comes <laughs> that comes at that moment of I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, that's it right. Comes at the it comes at the end of us, and you can you can come to the end of you as a believer. It's yes, you're 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 carry, you're carrying something that, or you're fighting with something that God's saying, just lay it down. Mm-hmm. And that is so hard to. I mean, I, I did it this morning. I had something on my mind, and and I was just tied up in knots for, with it, and and so I went out and went for a drive and. And took it to God, and it's like now it's not completely gone, but like you said, my perspective changed. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, when you start getting in, I get there quite a bit. You know, people who have limited amounts of patience, like you and I, we get there probably more often than some. But mm-hmm. you just got to step back and take a deep breath and say, God, I I need you right here. Yeah, and man, it it. It almost never fails. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And usually it's just let it go. That's right. And that is so hard to do sometimes, though. But 
that's why you got to look back. You got to look back on your life and say, when I held on to it, how how did that turn out? Yeah. When I let it go, how did that turn out? Yep. And probably a hundred percent of the time, God's answer was the right way. That's right. Not probably a hundred percent of the time. The way God was prompting you to handle it was the right way. So why? how arrogant are we to think that this time is going to be any different? That's right. But we do it. All the time. All the time. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. We're back. You know, I was thinking recently about how most people, when they when they struggle with something, like maybe you struggle with not completing workouts, or you struggle with just getting out the door and getting the first step in and, and starting your run, or whatever it is that you struggle with, most of the time, whatever gets in your way is the same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. And so I thought, what if... You take whatever that thing is that gets in your way most often, and you just focus on eliminating that thing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, maybe my problem is is that um, I feel like I run out of time. I'm trying to fit my run in after work, and I just I run out of time because I've got these other things going on, and so that's how that's why I miss my workout. Well, maybe that person says, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to running in the morning before work. Mm-hmm. And doing it first thing, and we'll, you know, I'll adjust my schedule in the evening around that. And there's a way sometimes I think to maybe eliminate that biggest item that gets in your way, whatever that may be. For some people, again, maybe it's a I, I don't finish workouts. I start these workouts and I, and I don't finish them, and I do that over and over and over. And that once you get into that habit, it's hard to stop mm-hmm. doing that. And maybe you're. Maybe you need to figure out a way to reframe that in your head that, okay, it's not acceptable. Or maybe I give myself a reward mm-hmm. when I finish that workout. And so it's something to look forward to, something more positive. Um, but eliminate that thing, whatever that thing is that, mm-hmm. that, that does that. And um, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, because most of the time it's we do the same things over and over again. I, th- I think for me it's it's – it's a lot of reasons that sometimes you don't get things done. It can be a workout. It can be whatever it is. But I have always kind of adopted the idea, at least in the past 10 years, that there's just no excuse. And when you don't give yourself excuse, an excuse, then any excuse is going to kind of fall flat. Yeah. So that's that's what's brought me to run in blue jeans before. Yeah. It's what's brought me to run in... Uh, Crocs or Sanooks or whatever it was before. It, it's what's it's what's brought me to run and then have to go into 
church or whatever it is, kind of sweaty headed, mm-hmm. is it's kind of like you always say you you run every day, and it's it's not a question of if you're going to run. Yeah, it's a question of when. Again, and, that's, and that's there again, it's, it's kind of framed. It's kind of mm-hmm. framed different. And but so many times, and because I'm this way on a lot of other things, you, you wig yourself out when the circumstances aren't perfect. Yeah, because everybody wants to go to work, come home, eat a nice dinner, have thirty minutes of rest before you put your shoes on and look just right, and then you go out for a run. Well, ninety percent of the time, that's just not reality. Yeah, you just got to get it in where you get. I get it in, and and understanding that. I'm a little bit OCD, and you have to – yeah, OCD, that's the right word. CDO, CDO is OCD in order. <laughs> um, but you have to understand, it's not always going to be perfect. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But I think the sh- to have it perfect, like um, – is it Eric we talked about at the very yeah. beginning? Yeah. You know, I, f- I have a feeling that Eric was wanting he's, – he's, he's wanting everything to be – perfect yeah have the right information from here the right information from here and and my advice to eric is don't strive for perfection yeah strive for consistency yep um and you'll get pretty darn close to perfection if you strive for consistency you'll at least get as far as you can get exactly yep Yep. yeah that's a good word All right, it's time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And this kind of goes along with that discussion. It's called the Pinky Principle. Most manufacturing processes today involve an assembly line of some sort. Look around you right now. Chances are more than half the man-made objects you can see are made on an assembly line. And, of course, we all know that Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motor Corporation, was the inventor of the assembly line. There are not many original thoughts these days. Coming up with something no one else has ever thought about is difficult. After all, how do you think about something that doesn't exist? Can you imagine a color you've never seen? No, you can't. It's impossible. So how did guys like Henry Ford come up with these ideas that no one had ever thought before? Well, the truth is that the assembly line was not really an original thought. While it is true that Henry Ford's Highland Park plant that opened on December 1st, 1913, was the first to use an assembly line, it turns out he got the idea from somewhere else. Ford made his first automobile in 1896, and the first Model T wasn't made until 1908. It was his goal to make an automobile that everyone could afford, so he needed to make them as efficiently as possible to cut costs. He visited many other businesses in an effort to figure out how to make his Model T more affordable. He took a little something from many other businesses, but there was one business in particular that inspired him in a big way. The business, believe it or not, was slaughterhouses. The House of Swift, as it is commonly called, processed 2 million cattle, 4 million hogs, and 2 million sheep per year at the height of its operation. They used what was essentially a disassembly line to cut the various pieces from the animal as it traveled down the line. Henry Ford reasoned that he could use a very similar process to do the opposite, and the assembly line was created. Today, the assembly line is probably just as important to society as computers. The impact it has had on the world is immeasurable. Sometimes our inspiration comes from places we'd never expect. If you're struggling, look around 
and see what's around you. For example, I was listening to a podcast recently where the host talked about a pinky trick. And here's how it works. For many of us, our highest obstacle is the first step. Once we get off the couch and take the first step, we're good. It's just that first step that's so tough. So just think about moving your pinky finger. That's not so hard. Now, move your arm. Keep going until you're turning on your GPS watch and stepping out the door to run. The podcast had absolutely nothing to do with running, but it could help my running the next time I'm having difficulty getting out the door. Is there something around you that has the potential to inspire you to do something different that could be a game changer for you? I'd say there's a good chance it's there, but you have to notice it as it goes by. Use the things around you to get better. God put those things around you for a reason. David used a skill he had developed as a shepherd to defeat defeat Goliath. In that day, a shepherd was about as far away from a warrior as a slaughterhouse is from a car manufacturer. It's about as different as moving your pinky finger is from running five miles, but it was useful. David also found inspiration for his faith in writing songs, otherwise known as psalms. He was a musician, so it made sense. I find inspiration for my faith, writing down my thoughts and sharing them with other runners. I'm a runner, so that makes sense. Is there something you love to do that can inspire your faith? I'll never forget the first time I heard about a group of women who loved to sew. They would meet every week and do some sewing and some Bible study. I'll bet there's something out there for you just waiting to be discovered. Where can you find unexpected inspiration? It may be in your favorite television program, a friendly conversation, your hobby, or you may find it in the Bible. Well, how do you find it? Well, you start by moving your pinky finger. <laughs> That's a great one, Dean. Uh, well, you like Dave Ramsey. I bet you know. I bet you have fi- found some wisdom he's given that has nothing to do with. It was probably focused on financial stuff, but you found wisdom in another way. Well, I mean, there's. Uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this podcast, but through the years, I've looked at. Two different ministries that have helped us shaped this ministry. Yeah. One is Dave Ramsey, which we've yeah. talked about on here a lot. The other one is Upward Sports. Yeah, you know, I had the the privilege of meeting Caslin early on in this ministry, who founded Upward, and um, yeah, we've 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 always done even when even when in development, you know, of neighborhoods and subdivisions and things. I always say we never invent the wheel. Even in development, we would go to other communities and we would find out what's working. Mm-hmm. And then we would bring those things to Dalton. And the same thing with this ministry. I've I've always looked around and I've I've took inspiration from Dave Ramsey and the upwards and said, you know, what's working? Our ministries are very different. Right. But a lot of the principles are the same. And I think you're you're you know sometimes we can let pride get in the way of that. You know, if Henry Ford would have said, well, I'm going to find my own way to do it, where would we be as a society today? Who knows? Yeah. You know, it's it's okay to get inspiration from the things around you to do the thing that God's laying in your heart. That's the reason he puts these people around you many times is to to gain inspiration 
to pursue what he's leading you to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes that inspiration is easy. I was thinking about how when I go on vacation, getting out to run. For a lot of people, vacation is hard for people to run. Mm-hmm. For me, vacation is easy sure. for me to run because I love running in a new place. Yeah, I get to go out and explore, and I, I think it's great fun to run in a new place. Um, and that's easy for me to be inspired at that point in time. But then sometimes being inspired is hard. And this pinky trick that he was talking about really is a good way to kind of look at it is just do a little something Mm -hmm. right and and then make that become something a little bit bigger until you get to the point where you're doing what you wanted to do and uh, this same person i remember him talking about how he he also works out every day and he said one of the things that he found was helped him to make sure he got his workout in was even when he didn't feel like it he would put on his workout clothes Mm -hmm. and for some reason just having his workout clothes Mm -hmm. on made him go you know what? I might as well go work out. It's that shift. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. yeah. So uh, find something. Find a way to just get out there. Um, I thought about an accountability partner is probably is a lot like a pinky thing, right? Sure. Accountability partner is that person who just all they got to do is say something. It's just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, and then your mind all of a sudden goes to, oh, I got to go run. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's a good way to do it, too. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the Bible every day for a full year. We go through the hard-to-pronounce names and all. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run for God Run Club to get access so if you're not a member join today if you are a member just find a walk through the bible under the nationwide challenge tab okay so we're back and then we were just talking about during the break we we asked people was it a week ago or two weeks ago kind of give us some feedback on the podcast yeah you know what what they like what they don't like are we too long are we too short are we too boring you know do you like guests more we've had some some feedback but not as much as we thought we would get so um keep sending those emails dean at runforgod.com yep and uh, because we were just talking about one one of the comments that you got from a person saying they start their week uh, listen to the podcast. The past two that we've got, we're saying that the podcast length is about right. Yeah, right. right. Yep. Um, so yeah, keep sending those. We 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 want to we want to make the adjustments to this podcast that we need to make. But if if we don't need to make adjustments, then we don't want to go fixing something that's not broke. Yep. So keep sending those comments. You're not going to offend us. No, no. I don't. I don't really know if I can be offended nowadays. Yeah. I feel um, the same. I've way. heard a lot. So you're not going to offend us, and and we may make changes. You know, we we've got things out there right now, like the George Bundle. We've got the walking shirt, and it's all because people said, "Hey, that's right. Y'all need to do this." That's and right. so while we can't make every adjustment. We do take them all under consideration. So keep sending those messages. For sure. All right. Every week I share a reason why running or walking is so awesome. And this week it's this. You can save miles on your car. (laughs) Not by running everywhere you go, 
But although we have seen some people do that, there's the guy. I'm not. I don't know. Have you ever met the guy that that walks all the time around here? There's a guy walking on the highway all the time. And he'll pick up garbage. Always wearing a white T-shirt, kind of walking crooked. No, not that guy. That's another guy, though. <laughs> he walks all the time. Now, I've met him. Oh, you're talking I'm about the guy with the backpack. I'm talking, a lot of times he has a backpack. No, I'm on. talking about the guy that wears the um, fluorescent vest. Maybe you don't see him that much up here. Most of the I don't time see he's him. down in, in the country. I see with the guy with the backpack and the guy with the white shirt that kind of walks crooked. He's yeah. a fast walker. Yes, he is. Um, but, yeah, I honk at him now. He throws that hand up, yeah. waves, and... Um, he's a super nice guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know him, but I know he picks up garbage along the road, which yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. He's a great. He, we used to I see him a lot of times when we would meet in the mornings during the summer to run. Yeah, he, a lot of times he's around the Edwards Park area, and that's yeah. where we would meet to run. So we would see him all the time. There. Yeah, he wear. I mean, he wears your basic white t shirt. Looks like it's three sizes too big. Yep, and usually it's dripping wet. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how far he walks. He walks a long way yes, every does. day, I think. And he goes at it hard, yeah, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, um, yeah, but mo- most people, you can run right out your front door. I know that I run right out my front door, so I don't have to travel somewhere to go to a starting point for my runs. Yeah. And typically, if I do go to somewhere else to run, it's usually on my way somewhere or there's a reason why I'm there. Sure. So just like... Um, Running to football games. Yeah, yeah, just whatever it may be. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, running can save miles on your car, and that's – I mean, think about it. I've probably run about 10,000 times in my life. Hmm. That's 10,000 times. times. Yeah, and most of those times I didn't put any extra miles on my car. So, I don't know. I probably saved myself some miles yeah. over the years. <laughs> well, you know, I like to stir up some controversy. No. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we love it when we find a study that backs what we've been thinking for a long time. And so I found this study. Um, I've had a lot of discussions with people about running on trails versus running on roads. And people who are trail people are convinced that trails are much better for you because they're softer and they're easier on your joints. And I have always said, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. And so this comes from Canada running. A lot of runners like to take their runs to the trails, believing that the softer surface is easier on their bodies and can therefore reduce their risk for injuries. Recently, a group of researchers compared the shock-absorbing forces on dirt and gravel with paved surfaces and found that while there are plenty of benefits to trail running, reducing injury risk isn't one of them. The study published by the Journal of Science and Medicine in Sport had 15 recreational runners, 12 females and 3 males, run over dirt, gravel, and paved surfaces in a trail environment with accelerometers attached to their shins and heads. The researchers then compared the difference between the movements and shock attenuation of the runner's tibias, the larger of the two shin bones, as they ran on the different surfaces. While it may come as a surprise to many runners, the researchers saw no significant differences between surface types, leading them to conclude that running on dirt and gravel surfaces does not decrease your risk for injuries. While runners are encouraged to enjoy the psychological benefits of trail running, trail surfaces do not appear to reduce loading forces associated with running-related injuries, they say in their closing statement. So the benefits of trail running. As the researchers said, these findings don't mean that you should throw away your trail running shoes. 
Uh, there are plenty of other benefits to hitting the trails beyond having a softer surface to run on, including the psychological benefits of spending time in nature. Trail running can also break up the monotony of road running, and more met, more technical terrain can challenge your body in different ways, which can improve your overall running fitness. Going for a trail run on your easy run day is also a great way to force yourself to slow down, since uneven footing and undulating terrain make it difficult to run fast. Of course, this study is not meant to discourage anyone from trail running, but if you like to take your runs off the roads, you are still at risk for injuries and should continue to include injury prevention practices in your training, like regular stretching, mobility work, and foam rolling. So if this scientific um, part of this study is true, meaning that there's no difference in impact to your tibia and, and all the things that they measured then that proves that trail running is actually you're more at risk for injury. That would be correct. Because a road does not have a root sticking up. That's right. Or a rock sticking up, which I have caught my foot on many times and found found myself flat on the ground. Yeah. So trail running is worse for your health than road running. Although. We just settled it. Although, I will say this. You know, the the benefits of trail running using your core muscles, mm-hmm. as you do, is actually good for you there. So that's – that. To, see, to me, there's to me they're different. But that doesn't offset a broken rib from hitting the ground and – Yeah, I'm not so catching sure. A, catching a rock and uh, – Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not – I don't know. I'm just – can you tell I'm not a trail person? Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not a mountain biker I, and I'm not a trail person, yeah. trail runner. I'm not a trail person either. I don't. I don't like running on trails particularly. I force myself to do it occasionally because I know now walking. I love them. Yeah, I love walking on trails, but I do not like running on trails. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think the reason I don't like running on trails is because they are slower. It just bugs me to run slower. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the reason why I don't like trails. Yeah. Um, And trail runs to me seem longer. You know, 10K on the trail seems like oh, it yeah. takes forever. Yeah. Whereas 10K on the road seems like it, it doesn't, you know, it's over with pretty, fairly quickly. Sure. So, and maybe it's because you can't see so far ahead of you. I don't know. But I think there's a trade off. I think there's benefits to both. There are downsides to both. And I think that we often overthink it. And I've seen so many people who are convinced that, well, I need to run on the, on the, on the trail because it's, it's better for me and it's safer for me. And I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and this study backs me up. <laughs> All right, how about a trivia question for this week? This one is back to uh, sprinters. Uh, Bob Hayes was the fastest man in the world in 1964 and won the Olympic 100-meter race. Bob didn't finish his career as a runner, though. What did Bob Hayes do for a living after his short running career? Do you know anything about this one? He was very. Uh, he was actually fairly famous. Gosh, I feel like I've heard that. This other thing. So, if you know the answer to that, you can send that to Dean at RunForGod.com. And if you're the first person to answer that question correctly, you will win twenty dollars off in the Run for God store, which is just like basically cash. cash. Yep, yep. We're giving away cash. All right, I'll leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from Mary Ann Rodmacher, who's an author. She said, lean forward into your life. Begin each day as if it were on purpose. (laughs) 
I like that. So many times, you know, we just get up in the morning and we just we just kind of let life happen to us mm-hmm. instead of us leaning into life and going after it, right? Sure. And from a running standpoint and a walking standpoint, this is really good advice mm-hmm. for sure, right? Be intentional. Don't just go with the flow. You know, Jesus didn't just go with the flow. He did. He was, uh, you know, he was uh, very purposeful mm-hmm. about what he did and how he did it. All right, one other thing before we go. Join, you know, we have a YouTube channel. And there's there's a number of videos on that YouTube channel if you've never seen it. Because some people, maybe they just listen to the podcast and they don't realize we have a YouTube channel. You can go to the YouTube channel and join that YouTube channel. And um, it's free. And then if you click the little bell that says give me notifications, it'll tell you every time we throw a new video up there. And that's pretty cool. And rate the podcast. Yes. Because that... That helps us for sure. That helps us. Yep. Um, we've gotten some some pretty good numbers yes. recently. So, uh, and that's that's only attributed to one thing, and it's you telling others about what we're doing here. Absolutely. And uh, it's free for them to tune in and listen, and maybe who knows they'll become a run club member. That'd that, be incredible. Absolutely. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.